Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, I'm going to be addressing the St. Louis Blues' biggest needs in this offseason and how they might go about filling those needs. I'm going to be talking about the Springfield Thunderbirds falling to 2-1 down in the series against the Chicago Wolves in the Colorado Cup Finals, plus the Colorado Avalanche going up 3-1 in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning on a controversial overtime winner. Busy episode, lots to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily Blues content. I'm your host, Josh Hyman, and I got a busy episode for you guys today. Like I said, first things first, we'll be going through uh, a checklist of a couple of the biggest needs for the Blues this offseason, biggest question marks. I'm probably going to be addressing a lot of these points multiple times. Um, so, you know, think of this as sort of the, the second check-in of of the various topics that the Blues need to address. You know, it's probably going to be similar takes, but, you know, as we get closer to the draft or free agency or trades or whatever, it'll probably change a little bit. So I'm going to be getting into that stuff here in this first segment. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to thank everyone, anyone and everyone out there for making Locked On Blues your first listen because we are free and available on all podcast platforms. All right. So without further ado, let's let's check into the Blues offseason status. A um, couple of their big needs, like I said. Uh, and see where they're at right now. You know, about a week or so left, if that, um, in the season. I guess it could end tonight, technically. Um, but, you know, a few days left uh, in the season, in, in the playoffs. So we haven't really reached a time where it's 100% the Blues' first priority is addressing these needs. But it's definitely a little bit clearer now than it was, you know, two weeks ago when I talked about it for the first time. So, first things first, goaltending situation. Um Who's going to be the starter? Who's going to be the backup? What happens with Billy Huso? Now, this was a question that I think was a little bit more up in the air um, a couple months ago before Jordan Biddington had his resurgence. Uh, now, I think, you know, we don't even have to have a whole lot of debate. I think it's pretty apparent, pretty obvious that Jordan Biddington is the starter for next year and years moving forward. Um, you know, the Blues are paying him like a starter. Uh, he struggled in the regular season. He struggled in the um, season before that, but... You know, in the playoffs this year, before he got injured, he was really, really strong, really, really consistent, and, you know, sort of returned to form um, of the Jordan Bennington of old. So, Jordan Bennington is the starter, no question. Now, it really comes down to Billy Huso, Charlie Lindgren, uh, and Joel Hofer in terms of that backup spot. Now, could it be Billy Huso? Maybe. I doubt it. Um, he's a free agent right now. The Blues would have to bring him back on a pretty cheap, team-friendly deal. They've got a couple other guys to bring back in David Perron and Nick Letty if they wanted to go that route. Um, and I think Billy Huso would honestly probably be the third priority out of those three guys. Uh, not that Billy Huso wasn't great. You know, he got um, he got a vote for Vesna. Um, he was a really good goaltender this year. He might have been the reason the Blues were able to make the playoffs through Jordan Bennington's struggles. Um, but, you know, he, he also probably earned himself a pretty hefty contract with that. He's you know, approaching 28 years old, he's going to want to cash in on that deal right now. And the chances of him taking a team friendly contract with the St. Louis Blues are pretty low. Uh, and I don't think the Blues are going to want to be paying, you know, a combined 10, $11 million for two goalies. Um, so, 
you know, because of that, I think Philly Huso is going to walk and he's going to sign a deal with another team to be their starter, which good for him. You know, he's earned that. That being said, though, brings the question, who's going to be the backup for the Blues? Is it going to be Joel Hofer or is it going to be Charlie Lindgren? Um, earlier, I was pretty confident, you know, a couple episodes ago, a couple weeks ago, whatever. I was pretty confident that it would be Joel Hofer. Uh, but Tommy at the time pointed out that Hofer is a little bit young and Charlie Lindgren does have that experience. And I think the some of the performances in the Calder Cup Finals have proven that, that Hofer is, still has a little bit to prove. Um but Charlie Lindgren has, you know, he's a journeyman goalie. He's a long-term goalie. He's proven that he could be an a NHL-quality goaltender. So for that reason, I think Charlie Lindgren will end up being the backup for the St. Louis Blues as it stands currently. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if things change, if Hofer or Lindgren or someone is offered up in a trade. And that's something I'm sort of getting into in the beginning of the second segment here, talking about a couple potential trades for the St. Louis Blues um, as... Uh, I think some of their holes can only really be filled with trades because the free agency market isn't exactly super profitable this season uh, for teams like the St. Louis Blues. So I'm going to be getting into that in the second segment after I wrap up this goalie talk. But yeah, I mean, look, I think the Blues have had this quote-unquote problem for a while, and that's having a bit of a carousel at the goaltending position. But it's a good problem to have. You know, you you, you always want the goaltending position to be stacked Um saw what happened in 2019 the blues brought up a no-name goaltender named jordan bennington uh and he happened to lead them to a stanley cup so as much as you know it's gonna hurt probably seeing billy Huso walk and and you know go play somewhere else uh we'll also get a chance to see charlie lindgren joel hofer um colton ellis guys just in the in the system get bigger roles you know whether it's a backup goaltending job with the st louis blues or a starting goaltending job with the Springfield Thunderbirds, and what will likely be Joel Hofer's uh, reward with the Lindgren promotion. So, a couple things to follow along with there. Like I said, in the second segment, I'll be talking about the Blues' probable biggest need in the offseason, and that is a defenseman, whether it's going to be bringing back Nick Letty or going for a trade or something. I'm going to be talking about that. Um, and more. But before I get into that, I wanted to let you guys know about betonline.net. Now, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, all right, all right. So, talked about the goaltending. That's sort of a big question mark, but let's be honest. The Blues need a defenseman. Um, defense let them down throughout the regular season and a little bit in the playoffs. You know, playoffs was sort of just they got beat by a better team. But uh, ever since Alex Petrangelo left, there has been a pair of shoes to fill, or I said a pair of skates to fill that have yet to be filled. Uh, Colton Pareko, Justin Falk, Tori Krug have done a good job of kind of filling in by commission. Um, you know, the the Blues defense is... is certainly good with depth in that regard in the sense that you know like i said pareko falk and krug are all really good defensemen um and did a really good job this year in in moments pareko obviously a little underwhelming at times um but i think for the most part you know you know what you're getting out of colton pareko and you know he's a reliable defenseman he's never going to be what the storybook version of Col- colton pareko is you know that that colton pareko that we saw 
uh, for flashes there in that cup run where he was looking like a true number one dominant defenseman. I think a lot of Blues fans, myself included, got the notion that he was going to continue to progress and turn into one of the best defensemen in the league, and unfortunately that's just not the case. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not a very serviceable defenseman in his role. I think Colton Pareko is a very good defenseman. I think you know he helps the Blues out. He's a net positive on the team, and you know, he, he well, he's not that number one guy. He also hasn't played with a consistent D partner in a very long time. The defense has been pretty much a, a carousel in terms of who's playing where. And the Blues haven't had a set one-two since Alex Petrangelo left. So because of that, I think Colton Pricko's got a little bit of an unfair rep. I think, you know, when he's had a consistent D partner, he's played a lot better. Um, and when he's had a guy that he can rely on at that position, he's played a lot better. Um, but... A lot of his a lot of his minutes have come, you know, with Nico alongside Nico Mikola or Marco Scandella when he's been struggling. He hasn't really had an opportunity to just, you know, be in a comfortable spot where he is one of two defensemen that is really solid, really good, uh, and he doesn't have to sort of do it all. I think a lot of times Colton Pareko's been out there with a with the Blues like sixth best defenseman because Colton Pareko has the ability to sort of soften the blow and, and, and make it a little bit easier to to stick a defenseman that's not as good out there because Pareko is as good as he is, but I think Pareko's at his best when he has another really good defenseman to rely on that can sort of take some of the weight off of his shoulders and let him play a little more freely. Uh, and I think in order to get back to that, the number one thing, honestly, beyond uh, going in, going out and adding a defenseman is just staying healthy. I think once Tory Krug went down, it really screwed up the Blues defensive rotations. Um, the defense was playing really, really strong when Tory Krug was healthy, um, you know, during that last stretch of the regular season and even a little bit in the playoffs as well um, after Tory Krug even went down. But there's only so much that they could do without a guy like Tory Krug in the lineup. You know, the, the pairings got messed up. Like I said, Pareko wasn't playing as consistently with, you know, top quality defense talent, um, and it showed. Uh, so I think, you know, if the Blues defense can remain healthy next season, uh, along with a guy like Scott Perunovic coming in and, and you know producing really well, I think Perunovic is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, surprise a lot of people. You know we know what he can do offensively, and that's no secret. But I think he's a lot more capable defensively than a lot of people think. I think people just see an undersized defenseman and assume that Scott Perunovic is going to be a liability in that end, sort of like Tori Krug. And you know Tori Krug does what he can um, defensively. He's just you know five nine. There's only so much he can do. Scott Perunovic is a little bit bigger than Tori Krug. Um, but, you know, I think people look at him and just assume it's going to be a similar sort of player, and they see Perunovic's success on the power play and his success offensively and assume that he's just going to be a pushover defensively. Now, obviously, he's no Victor Hedman, you know, out there with a stick that covers half the defensive zone. He's just not not, not big enough for that. But he can hold his own defensively. He's great positionally, um, and he's hard to knock off the puck, and he does a really good job of winning the puck battle. So... Um, I, I hope that Prudenovic will have a bigger role this upcoming season, maybe even a top four role, um, depending on what the Blues go out and do, especially because I'm assuming Nick Letty will not be back. Um, Prudenovic will kind of take his role, uh, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he can be, like I said, a lot more of a complete defenseman than a lot of people think. I think Prudenovic can kind of come in and, and, and fill that role for the Blues a little bit. Obviously, he's not going to be that number one defenseman or number two defenseman that Pareko can play with, but... I think he's going to be a very solid addition to the back end of the St. Louis Blues, and he showed that in his um, playoff games that he was in. 
and just got very limited minutes, obviously being out there on the power play. I think having a full off season of training with the Blues and being able to bulk up a little bit, add a little bit to that frame. And, you know, he was dealing with an injury all season. So who knows if he was even 100% when he did play. So I think Perunovic can be a really big impact player for the St. Louis Blues next season. Um, because like I said, I don't see Nick Letty coming back. Uh, the Blues have to bring back Perron, Letty, and Huso. Don't have to, but, you know, those are their big three uh, guys that are uh, up for, for new contracts. And I, I definitely see them trying to bring Perron back. Um, and that being said, you know, Letty and Huso probably, I mean, Letty's been asking for five, six million dollars for five years. It's his last chance to cash on a big contract. I don't see the Blues giving him that sort of deal. So for that reason, I think he's going to be walking. Um, and that brings in the question, if the Blues want to do, if the Blues do want to go out and try to add to their defensive core and, and, you know, add a really big guy, how the heck are they going to do that? Uh, and I've seen two scenarios proposed and I'm kind of want to go over both of them briefly before, um, jumping into the third segment here. And the first one is trading Vladimir Tarasenko for a defenseman. Now, theoretically, that's probably the best way you could go out and add a defenseman is just sort of for a hockey trade, a one-for-one Vladimir Tarasenko for, I don't know, Travis Stanheim or something like that. Um, Not sure exactly what the trade would be in that scenario, but... um, Hopefully my, sorry, if my connection just went down on the YouTube video, um, apologies in advance, but should be good for you guys audio-wise. Anyways, I'll repeat myself in case the connection did cut out. Um, I said I think the big, the easiest uh, solution would be, oh yeah, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko for Ivan Provorov, one for one, or, or Travis Sandheim or whatever, or Jacob Chikorin. Um, on the surface, that makes the most sense, you know, and it's probably the easiest way the Blues could, A, clear up the cap space needed for a, a big defenseman, and B, just trade for a big defenseman because there aren't a lot of options on the free agency market for a big defenseman you it would most likely have to come via a trade um and you know tarasenko is the obvious guy there now the flip side of that is vladimir tarasenko i don't think still has that trade request public um or not public but you know I, i don't know if that's still valid and i would assume that it's not um the way that the season went and the way that the postseason comments went from doug armstrong it sounds like vladimir tarasenko wants to stay and you know, I, I'm happy for him. I think he had a rejuvenated season with the Blues. I think he had his, not, I think he, he had one of his best seasons in a very long time. Um, probably his best season since the injuries. Uh, and that's, you know, encouraging for Blues fans and for the organization. And he also has a full no trade clause. So any trade that you would want to draw up with Tarasenko, he would have to agree to. And, you know, I don't think he's going to want to go to Arizona for Jacob Chikorin. I don't think he's going to want to play in a college hockey arena for the next you know, five years or however long the, the Arizona Coyotes are, are sticking with that arena. So I think a Tarasenko trade is is the most sensical in terms of easiest way to acquire a, a top-tier defenseman, but I don't think it's the most likely. The other trade that I saw is a combination of Ivan Barbashev and one of the Blues' top forward prospect, prospects in Zach Bolduck or Jake Neighbors. I think that one is a little more likely. However, I think Jake Neighbors and Zach Bolduck are are kind of two really big pieces of the forward core that you'd have to be very, very certain about the return you're getting in order to part with those guys. You know, the Blues window, you could call it a window, is, is in terms of their current core, is coming to a close, but I think they have a good enough group of young pieces where it's not going to be a situation where they just kind of like flounder at the bottom of the league. I think if they keep those young pieces in place, the Blues will do a very good job of contending when guys like Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron and even Vladimir Tarasenko, Justin Falk, those guys. When those guys are starting to decline a little bit, they have young pieces in place. Now, 
if you trade a guy like Zach Bolduck or Jake Neighbors along with Ivan Barbashev, which first of all, I will say, I think trading Ivan Barbashev makes a lot of sense. I think his stock is the highest it will ever be. And his playoff performance or lack thereof is a little bit more indicative that he'll probably fall back down to earth next season and might not be a 25 goal scorer like he was this year. So yeah, I think I think trading Arvin Barbashev makes sense. His stock is high. Uh, you could probably get a decent return for him. However, if they're doing that, I think the move has to be for a younger defenseman. Um, the Blues already have plenty of defensemen around 29, 30 years old that are signed on long-term deals. And I don't think that it would make sense to acquire another guy like that because then you would just have a top four of Justin Falk, uh, Tory Crew, Colton Pareko, and new defensemen, and they would all be, you know, in four years, they'd all be 34, 35, making $6 million a piece. And I don't think that that's a recipe for success. I think look at what the San Jose Sharks have done, and that's proof that it, it's not a recipe for success. So it would have to be a younger guy like Jacob Chikrin, like Travis Sanheim, like Ivan Provorov. Um, and I think that trade could be possible with Ivan Barbashev plus a prospect, but not a guarantee. So that's sort of the, the checking in on the current state of the Blues um, offseason moves. Uh, as the offseason gets closer, obviously, I'm going to have more updates on that. So make sure you stay tuned to the show for that. But that being said, in this third and final segment, I'm going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning versus Colorado Avalanche and Springfield Thunderbirds versus Chicago Wolves. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, all right, all right. Third and final segment. And let's talk about some uh, some non-Blues news, shall we? Um, so the Springfield Thunderbirds, if you guys don't know, if you haven't been following along, um, they are in the Calder Cup Finals against the Chicago Wolves. Now, unfortunately, they find themselves down 2-1, and they did lose both of their games in a pretty rough fashion. They won game one in overtime, but then they lost game two like six to two and then they lost game three four nothing so they're in a bit of a precarious situation right now um i don't think all hope is lost for them i think that they have the capability they have the experience uh they have the physicality to contend in a series like this i don't think all hope is lost um i had someone dm me on twitter uh asking for where you can watch it and if you go to i think it's like watchahl.com or something if you just look if you just search watch ahl playoffs it's it's thirty dollars um for the remainder of the playoffs which a little steep um, on the service because there might only be a few games left. So you can also, I think it's like $8 for a singular game. So maybe there'll be two games left in the season, $8, $16. Um, if you don't want to spend the money, totally understandable. But also, like, it's 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 fun hockey. And if you've got, you know, 30 bucks sitting around, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, Thunderbirds play a very entertaining style. They play old-school hockey, old-style hockey, a lot of physicality, uh, a lot of grit. You know, very similar to the Blues of 2019. So definitely check that out. Uh, they play again tonight, I believe. Um, yeah, they do. They play again tonight, game four, chance to tie the series up at two games apiece, so make sure you stay tuned to that. Um, I'll be tweeting about it, I'll be talking about it on Monday's episode, so if you missed the game, you can always hear what I have to say about it. So that being said, there is another hockey game tonight, and oh yeah, it's in the Stanley Cup Finals, and oh yeah, the Stanley Cup will be in the building. Um, Colorado Avalanche are up three games to one over the Tampa Bay Lightning, and real quick, I want to talk about that overtime winning goal, which first of all, I don't want to say I called it. But I called it. If you listen to Wednesday's episode, I talked about how I think adding Nazem Kaji back is going to be, um, I, I think, um, or no, I think. I said that Nazem Kaji will be a 
big impact piece for the Colorado Avalanche will sort of be a, a needle mover. I like to use that term a lot. Tommy likes to use that term a lot. Just a guy that, a guy that you know, if the match is 50-50, the match is even. A guy that can really just push the needle towards your favor, in your favor. And Nazem Kadri is a guy that I think can do that. Uh, and sure enough, he scored the overtime winner. Um, now, there was some controversy with it, and I will talk about that, even though I don't think the controversy was very warranted. Um, Nazem Kadri goes in, receives a pass, scores the overtime winner. But wait, a sixth Colorado Avalanche player has both his skates on the ice as he's getting off and, and getting on the bench, you know, for a, for a line change. Technically, there's too many men on the ice, and the game sheet also has six players on the ice. Oh, no. Okay. Were there six players on the ice when the Colorado Avalanche scored their game-winning goal? Technically, yes. Does the rule of too many men on the ice state that the sixth player or, or the extra player has to engage with the play for it to be a violation? Also, Yes. Was the extra Colorado player engaging with the play at any point? No. Was it too many on the ice by rule? Probably not. Um, a lot of people have pointed out that the Tampa Bay Lightning had seven players on the ice uh, when they scored against the New York Islanders last year, or that they also had six players on the ice when the Colorado Avalanche scored their game-winning goal. Uh, whatever. You know, it, those type of plays happen a lot. Um, and... Honestly, if the Blues were on the receiving end of that, I might be sitting here complaining about it. Uh, but from an outside perspective, it just kind of seems like a bit of a bit of sore loser play from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Tampa Bay Lightning have always kind of been a bit of sore losers, especially Nikita Kucherov gets a little gets a little chippy when they're losing. So I don't have a whole lot of sympathy there. Um, I've seen people comparing it to the hand pass goal, and I think that's just ridiculous. I think. You know, it would be one thing if there were six six Colorado Avalanche players engaged in the play and rushing into the zone, um, and you know that's how they scored. But that's not what happened. You know, there was a there was a guy that was on the ice for a split second before the goal was scored, and then he was getting off the ice. And, and you know, John Cooper goes in the press conference, "Oh, my heart breaks for these guys. You know, you'll know we should still be playing right now." It's like I get it. I get it. You know, when you lose like that, when you lose in overtime, you, you, it's like when, you know, when you're playing, you're playing 2K with your friends or whatever, and you're like, oh, what the, this game's rigged. You know, you, you love to blame things other than yourself for the loss. And do I think the Colorado Avalanche having six players on the ice is the reason they scored? Absolutely not. I don't think the Colorado or the Tampa Bay Lightning think that either. I think it's just easier to make an excuse when you've been winning for the last three years uh, and you've had infinite playoff success, and all of a sudden you run into an opponent that um, has you figured out. It, it can be it can be a little easy to search for excuses like that. Um, again, I can only say so much because if the St. Louis Blues were in that position, decent chance I'd be here complaining about it. You know, but that's hockey, that's sports. Um, it's easy to sit here, you know, from an outside perspective, fly on the watch, like oh, the, those crybabies. It wasn't even too many men. So whatever. Um, that being said, though, Colorado spectacular game. Uh, first real goaltending duel of the playoff or of the playoffs of the Stanley Cup final, and Darcy Kemper won somehow. Um, Vasilevsky's been okay. He actually has a worse save percentage than Darcy Kemper, but Darcy Kemper did get chased in a game, and Vasilevsky stayed in when Colorado was scoring a lot of goals. So, I mean, I don't think the stats tell the whole story, but um, I will stand corrected. I thought that Colorado's goaltending was going to be their Achilles heel, uh, in this series and that Darcy Kemper wasn't capable of, of leading a team to a Stanley cup. And now who knows by the time that you guys are listening to this episode, the Colorado Avalanche men have already won the Stanley cup. Exciting stuff. So that being said, you know, Monday's episode might be the first off season, true off season episode for the NHL for the lockdown blues podcast. So make sure you stay tuned by hitting that follower subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen to me on. 
Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well at Locked On Blues. Hit that notification bell that way. Whenever I upload a new episode, you'll be the first to know. Also, hit that like button. It helps the algorithm a lot. It helps more people see it. The more people that see the show, the better the content gets. It's pretty simple. Um, follow all of the Locked On Blues social accounts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Locked On Blues. You can follow my Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. That being said, though, that is all the time I have. So thanks so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.